Assalamu alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Greetings of peace, love, and light. Friends and family around the world, you are tuned in to Path and Present Podcast, and I am your host, Baraka Blue. This conversation is with Sister Halwa, who has written the book Secrets of Divine Love, this book which has taken the world by storm and connected with so many people and really become a kind of phenomena, a force, um, a bestseller. And so I really wanted to speak to her about what it was about this book that she thinks really speaks to the hearts of so many people. And um, we get into a lot of wonderful topics around the book and around the spiritual path and around writing. And so uh, I look forward to sharing that with you. Uh, But before I do that, I wanted to make just a couple announcements. First and foremost, Alhamdulillah, our book of poetry, The Art of Remembrance, is here. Um, As those who've been listening, maybe I've mentioned it over the previous months and years, uh, this was a multi-year project. I have some books of poetry that have come out in the past, but this one we wanted to do something special. Um, And one of my teachers once said, it's one thing to write poems for the divine, it's another thing to make your life a poem for the divine. And so we wanted to make this work an, an offering, a work of art for the divine and those who seek to remember the divine. And so we worked with calligraphers and bookbinders and all kind of artists and designers and editors to really kind of make it as like an ode to the great manuscripts and diwans of the past. So um, if you go to roomycenter.love, uh, roomycenter.love slash remembrance, You'll find the book and you'll find pictures and details, the picture, uh, the, the, the um, paper that we chose was very specific. This is a special Japanese paper. There's calligraphy on almost every page. And, um, you know, we're really grateful for, for what it's, uh, you know, for what it is and for birthing it out into the world. So um, I would love for you to go and check that out. You can find the links on my social media as well as on roomycenter.love, and uh, love for you to, to pick that up. This is the limited edition, um, hardbound. Uh, we only printed 999, and so once those are gone, they're gone. So if you uh, want one of these, uh, definitely pick it up from the website. And uh, related to that, I am on the road the next few months, traveling and doing readings and performances, um, workshops and even a couple of retreats around the book. In fact, I just got back from the Bay Area where we had the first readings uh, and um, we did an event at MCC in the East Bay in Pleasanton um, around the Art of Remembrance. And then on Friday, we did a program with Ferdos Ensemble who are on tour in North America right now. So it was really beautiful to have the poems with musical accompaniment and to join my friends from Firdos. But uh, as for dates that are coming up, I will be, let me double check these dates, uh, March 2nd and 3rd, I'll be in Chicago um, doing something with Tetleaf Collective there. And um, then from the 4th to the 8th of March, I'll be in the DMV area. D.C., Maryland, Virginia. I'll be with Center D.C., uh, Kahwa Cafe, 
and uh, Make Space and uh, perhaps a couple other readings there. So again, you could check out our website or check out my Instagram for more info. And then March 9th, 10th, and 11th, I'll be in New York and New Jersey. My brother Omar Aina, uh, who is a avid listener of this podcast, as well as uh, an artist himself and DJ, he has arranged some programs in Brooklyn and um, I think Montclair, New Jersey. So again, check out my uh, website or my Instagram for those dates. And thereafter, it looks like I'll be in um, in Miami the next week. And again, you can find those details online. So yeah, and after that, uh, we'll be back in Seattle for a reading um, for the Seattle launch with What's Up. Uh, that is March 18th, if I'm not mistaken, or 19th. And then thereafter, Ramadan will be. And so I will be taking uh, a break from touring for Ramadan, and then after Ramadan, I will be in Europe and the UK. So uh, yes, we look forward to visiting a city near you. And uh, again, if you want more information about those and specific dates as they come out, just uh, check out roomycenter.love and check out my social media as well for frequent updates. Um, And with that, We are grateful for all the listeners, and I want to say, um, if you have any suggested guests or suggested topics, feel free to reach out to us. And lastly, I want to say thank you to our patron, our patrons on Patreon. Um, This is a listener-supported podcast, no advertising, Um, and so it is from listeners like you that allow these conversations to come into the world, to come into existence. And so to support the podcast, you can visit patreon.com slash path and present. And uh, we appreciate your support. All right, y'all. Salaam alaikum wa rahmatullahi wa barakatuh. Bismillahir Rahmanir Rahim Alhamdulillahir Rabbil Alamin Wassalatu wassalam ala ashraf al-anbiya wa sayyidul mursalin wa ala alihi wa sahbihi wa sallam Alhamdulillah so um sister Halwa it's a blessing to uh, make your acquaintance and to have you as our guest on this podcast and um you know this podcast Path and Present has been a project we've been uh, doing for five years or something. And really the idea was that I travel a lot and interact with scholars and artists and Sufis and interesting people on the path. And I would have these wonderful conversations. And then I would feel like, man, I wish I could share that with the world, like, you know, (laughs) and then I realized, Hey, maybe I could. And so um, I started traveling with a you know, USB microphone and, 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 uh, capturing these conversations. But, um, you know, you are someone that I was, uh, interested to talk to, uh, because subhanAllah, just in the last couple of years, I've seen your book everywhere. And not only have I seen it, but people have mentioned it to me that it's been like this recurring thread that people had this profound experience with it. Um, 
particular particularly young women in fact and so um in fact i was just in colombia medellin i got back a couple of days ago and i was sitting in a cafe speaking with uh, some young women about sufism and they brought up your book and how it had deeply impacted them and how they during the pandemic had a like a circle reading it online and how it really kind of carried them through that um so yeah um you know first of all we're grateful to have you and then also um more recently i realized that you also have a book of poetry so i'm happy to hear that and i'm not surprised because in reading your book um the the prose book secrets of divine love it has a very um poetic quality and there's a lot of metaphors and it's really poetic in fact how it's written so uh i'm not surprised that you also write poetry but um i guess a good place to start is um what gave you the impetus to write this book and as a follow-up i'm curious kind of the process of it like from inception to completion um how did it come about and and relatedly like who did you intend to be the audience of this uh, assalamu alaikum and thank you so much for having me on this podcast i am grateful to be here and to to share um a little bit about the process i think for me it felt um a little bit different i think than maybe how books have come to some of my friends who are writers in that I don't consider, it's so hard for me to consider myself a writer. Um, in a lot of ways, I've always inclined towards short form poetry or I was ever since I was a child, I was writing things on backs of napkins and receipts and mm. um, anything in books. And most of the books I read have poems in them. That's just how I understand the world. But in terms of writing a long form book, I would say I felt completely incapable of doing that. Um, and for a really long time when it felt like I felt this guidance inside of me. Um, and sometimes when I say that, I think people are like, oh, you you mean you heard the voice of God? I'm like, no, no, just a feeling that inclined me towards something and it felt um, like a puzzle piece fitting in a puzzle, like when you get the right one. And, but the picture wasn't complete. It's just like, I felt like something was unfolding. But I looked at what I felt like I was being guided to do and, and felt completely incapable. Not just incapable in the writing long form, but going to like, knowing that I'd be reading through hundreds of books to collect this information, knowing that I would have to travel, as you know, to find that knowledge, because it felt like it was dispersed and and so it felt like this deep calling that I didn't feel capable. And so for a long time, um, I approached it by stepping in to my nafs, like stepping in with my will mm -hmm. and realizing that that was not going to work because all I faced and came up to were my limitations. And, and I saw how small, I mean, how small of a, of a, breath of information I had and then somewhere along the way I leaned in to being completely poor <laughs> like having nothing uh, to offer and 
it was really difficult because I just had to face that my limitations. And so, and step into that one thing that I just avoided to step into or, or walked around for a long time, which was a deep neediness and help like seeking of help. And, but once I stepped in, it felt like, um, you know, sometimes in quantum physics or astrophysics, they're like, talk about a black hole being this crushing experience into the singularity only to expand possibly back out into another beginning. Uh, but for that moment, it really does feel like a crushing or um, feeling. And so I just leaned in and then I was like, okay, maybe this is not supposed to happen because I'm not capable. And through that experience, felt the help of Allah, felt the presence of Allah that encompasses from the east to the west. I just felt the guiding presence. And um, and then it was, it just felt like, I hate using the word magic because we have different perceptions in Islam mm -hmm. regarding that, but it, it felt mysteriously aligned. Let's say like every moment I came across a roadblock as to how I was supposed to structure a chapter, suddenly a professor or a teacher or an imam or someone would recommend a book, obscure mm -hmm. book that I've never heard of and I would buy it and it would have everything I needed to complete that chapter. And that divine assistance was absolutely amazing. And every time, every time it's like, I feel like the, the path being constantly telling us to, to remember was so significant for me because I had to keep reminding myself that as far as I got into the book, that I was still as needy as the moment before I started. And every time I forgot, I'm grateful that Allah reminded me. Um, and that was the process, really. It was this, it had everything to do with my relationship with Allah and like walking together. Mm. <clears throat> Excuse me. And um, so the unfolding of the book was, was like that. And the only thing I knew for certain was that I couldn't do it on my own. And everything that I've seen since the book was out in the world is, is like I say, it's like my capability is one plus one, it should be two. And it's in an astronomically large number. At, when it, One plus one equals, let's say, a million. And you're, wow, what happened? What's mm -hmm. that X? What's that Y? Like what, ha what other factor is in that equation? And I'm capable. I'm able to see that because I know my own limitations. So sometimes people in the world can project on you some sort of ability, but I know this to be true because in that three-year process of writing the book, I had to face it constantly, my lack of ability. And because of that, I just feel so grateful, shy, and honestly humbled often because I, I think it's human nature to look at something and attribute some sort of quote credit to the person who quote wrote it but mm -hmm. it's always such a strange feeling I think you may understand that too because we, I mean I just find your work is so um it feels inspired or in spirit alhamdulillah well yeah no I was nodding with with a lot of what you said and I think all um artists can really relate to this um 
especially those that take serious the spiritual path because you know Maulana Rumi in the Masnavi which is you know 70,000 lines of rhyming couplets and it's narrative after narrative after narrative all getting at the same point which is that la ilaha illallah there is only mm -hmm. one and all of this multiplicity is pointing at unity and it's it's uh you know i don't need to say much more about it you're familiar with it but it's significant that he begins uh, with 18 lines the nay name the song of the reed um which is the famous story of the reed flute cut from the riverbed and then given breath carved into and given breath and mm -hmm. it coming to life again like it basically dying when cut from its source but then given breath and bringing it back to life and the plaint of it listen to mm -hmm. the read how it tells a tale complaining of its separation everyone who's been severed from their home yearns for the moment of return you know so give me a breast that's torn so that i may unfold the pain of love desire you know mm -hmm. this idea that and maulana rumi is really getting at that the human condition just like the reed flute was from the riverbed and taken out but then when given breath it cries out to return that very almost like human plaint that the reed has likewise each one of us is from the divine presence and um we have the divine breath within us, but his point is really not just that everyone uh, equally allows that breath to blow through, but that the insan al camel, the perfected ones, have perfected their emptiness, whereas mm. most of us are full of ourselves. <laughs> we're stopped up, and so the breath, <laughs> it's flowing through, but we're blocking it. Mm. And so I think that the the goal, as you kind of alluded to, is really to get yourself out of the way. And that's easier said than done, isn't it? And, mm. uh, you know, the Prophet ﷺ famously said, Fakru fakri, <laughs> that my poverty is my pride. Mm. That what I pride myself on is my complete need. Fakr, as you know, is a great high maqam, poverty, mm. the existential poverty that not just wealth, but yani, seeing and hearing and will and power and life itself, they're all divine attributes that we're somehow receiving a drop from that ocean, but it's not ours and it all returns, you know, mm -hmm. to the one. And that's why Monana Rumi also says that the one who has all these beautiful qualities that people are drawn to, that when they leave this world, and were they to be a corpse that you were encounter on the, on the, on the side of the road, everyone would flee from them. What uh. did they do wrong? Well, Allah took their the, his attributes back. As Rumi said, he put on borrowed clothes thinking they were his. <laughs> <laughs> so all of, we, we borrow these attributes, but they return to their source. And so, you know, Malcolm X famously said in the end of his autobiography, all praises due to Allah, only the mistakes are my own. And so I think that's also, as you kind of also alluded to, it's a protection for your nafs because once your nafs starts to attribute beauty and goodness and greatness even and, um, you know, all these things to yourself, oh, you mm -hmm. know that the fall is near. So uh, I relate a lot to what you're saying that 
you do know we try to get out of the way and we just see the the shortcomings the the places where the breath didn't blow perfectly that's that's what we see we see and that's where we have work to do we have to keep polishing mm. uh, like i feel like what you said is so it's so beautiful and so poignant um because what you're pointing to is the fact that the we meet the divine presence with lack with nothingness it's like you could you bring god who has everything um and and rumi has poems you know about even with i think he calls it like uh he's like god's like the spice market and you're coming like what am i gonna bring to you mm. and and i and i always it makes me think of this one story of uh like a mystic who's who's praying and one of her students is nearby and she's praying and she's like in this um, state with the divine and she's like god i'm nothing i'm i'm nothing i'm absolutely nothing and then her student kind of hears and goes okay cool like that sounds like a great prayer let me write that down and so he's like in the corner and he's like god i'm nothing and then the mystic grabs him and he says who are you to think you're you can who are you to think you're nothing you know and i, I always think it's so funny because we think of that is like an empty hand as having as a low station mm. but actually it's the awareness that your hands are empty even when they're full and that's that moment is so confronting that no matter that you're in need of a law like when you're well as much as you are if you're not well and and that that feeling is so I find in the creative world you might say writer's block and to me that's just when you get in the way to, mm -hmm. to the point where mm -hmm. you said something is stopping the breath and so then the flute can't make its sound like to me that's a thought a perception a misperception maybe since childhood a belief some sort of downloaded idea it gets in the way of you just being empty and receiving what's coming through what's coming from beyond and and so you're I, I feel like you're it, the way you said it is perfect we get in the way of ourselves and then sometimes unfortunately we can blame god for the outcome of that mm -hmm. yeah no that's real and uh, I remember when I was in Konya once that we were at outside the grave of Maulana Shamsi Tabrizi, mm. his maqam. And uh, someone told me a story that on Yom Qiyama, it's like an apocryphal yani, Sufi story that that Shams, that, that uh, on Yom Qiyama, all the people will be there before God in majesty and awe, right? And from the very back that Shams will say, excuse me, <laughs> excuse me. <laughs> Right. And like everyone turns around, like, who is you know, intruding on this profound moment? Who do you think you are? And uh, he will say, I, I should be up there. I should be in the front. Can you can I please come forward? Right. Kind of pushing through the crowd and, uh, that he will be asked. But in the divine voice, you know, what is it? You know, what is this audacity that you have? I said, I I bring you what you lack mm. everyone is like, like who is this right 
rascal speaking like this in the divine presence. And uh, it is asked, what is it that I lack? And he says, you lack need. And so I come to you bringing need. And, uh, you know, that's so profound because that's what are we going to approach God with our will, with our power, with our strength, with our love, with our compassion? Okay, what is ours compared to his? The thing that we approach Mm -hmm. him with is faqar, is pure poverty, pure need. And just as, you know, water seeks the lowest point, that the low, if you enter into the lowest point, you Mm -hmm. will, you will receive the water and that's also why the Prophet ﷺ, he was Sayyid al-Kawnayn. He was the master of all of existence. He was the leader of Beni Adam. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, he said, I'm the leader of Beni Adam and I'm not boasting. <laughs> but what mm-hmm. is, why was he is because he was the most perfect in poverty. He was the most perfect in su- surrender and submission. And he's Muhammad in this world, which is the most praised. And not a moment goes by in which he's not being praised and his name is not being celebrated. And in every corner of the earth and in small masajid and homes, there's there are old women and young boys and everyone. The salawat is ringing out in every place and every nook and cranny of the earth. Muhammad, sallallahu alayhi. Amazing. And yet... In the next world, and in fact, in this world, in his inner reality with Allah, with the creation, he's Muhammad. With Allah, he's Ahmed, uh. the one who gives the most praise. And the secret of Muhammad is Ahmed, sallallahu alayhi. In other words, that he's the perfect Abd, and his his ubudiyah is and he complete. In other words, he is the most perfect mirror reflecting the divine attributes and qualities and so may we be like him inshallah i mean so uh i mentioned you have very poetic writing and uh i wanted to read it just a quick passage that kind of gives a taste of this i hope you'll allow me it's always interesting and or strange to hear someone read your own writing but you know this is the beginning of this uh, second chapter who are you Allah wrote your story with the pen of mercy, poured his love into every cell that dances and twirls inside of you, and blew his spirit into your mold of clay, making you a bridge between heaven and earth. Like a gentle breeze, God breathed the light of his love within your soil of dirt, bringing to life what was once dead. You are far more beautiful than mirrors can sing about. You are far too intricate for language to weave into words because you are the product of the divine love that is so holy and infinite that finite hands fall short in painting your truth. The love of God purposely overflowed to create you and everything in existence. Mm. That's a beautiful passage. And it kind of, I think for me, it encapsulates the kind of poetic voice that this is written in. And uh, this is one question that I had for you because um you know, a lot of what we find in the English language about Islam and about Islamic spirituality is either translations of classical manuals. You know, you can read the translations of Al-Ghazali or others. Um, or they're kind of like 
there's a lot of like academic books written about Islam, right? You know, mm -hmm. and all of yeah. those have their place and all of those are beautiful. But with the classical manuals, it takes a certain type of training, actually, to be able to read books that were written uh, for a specific context a thousand years ago, right? And um, you, it really takes a training to even be able to kind of approach those, I find. Um, so they're not really easy accessible for the average person, even the average Muslim, right? Let alone non-Muslim. And the academics works, academic works obviously are also for a particular kind of person that's inclined towards that mode of seeking or inquiry, which is not the vast majority of people. But as far as works that are written by contemporary authors who are rooted or steeped in the tradition for our time and for our, our people, the contemporary um, individual, Muslim, non-Muslim, whatever, who's seeking meaning and truth and beauty and depth and understanding of their own place in the universe and their own purpose in this world, there really are not a lot of books. Mm -hmm. um, and I wonder if you might reflect on, well, if you have any thoughts on why that is or um, anything related to that. And then I guess also just the kind of register or the intention in writing this, or maybe the intended audience that you had in writing this? Yeah, that's a, that's a great question. I feel that a lot of my inspiration was from a lot of academic books um, written in a very scholarly, like every sentence had a source and um, just the arguments were laid out in a very, particularly academic way, which in my opinion could be very dry. I think reading it, I find it interesting because I'm inquiring and want, I want to know. And for the average reader, I felt like oh, it's just really hard to get through because it's like 700 pages and, like, <laughs> you know, font size 10 and it's columned and it could be very long. Mm -hmm. Um so I kind of almost went with the lens of I can enjoy reading this. I like reading a lot. So I had my highlighter and I said, okay, I'm going to go through these books and pull out things that maybe, inshallah, can make someone stop for a second and think in a language that is more accessible. I wanted the book to be, like, it felt like the book is, it just, like, steered me in a way of being almost I don't want to say simple but simple in its language in terms of if you're comparing it to an academic book but still rooted in arguments and so even though I'm not citing every single thing it's based on dozens and dozens of books and I think that for me that was important because the whole time the image of who would read it was always 15 years old <laughs> uh it was not someone who was in their 20s or who was at university it was always a 15 year old and oftentimes it felt like it was a 15 year old girl so and then being at the mosque and sometimes being a counselor at the youth groups I just had an opportunity to sit a lot with that age group and to just listen to the things they were facing. 
and also to listen to the things that were pushing them out of the religion. And there is a lot of people feeling that they don't have a um, a kind of unique relationship with their faith because they've been sort of inherited their faith from their parents and and then are looking at how their parents practice and haven't found their own way with their faith that feels um, their own instead of just projecting and taking from that. And so I just wanted to speak to the practices in a way beyond just the literal, just the literalness of what it is. And, and to remember that every pillar has a principle. Mm-hmm. And oftentimes we hear about the pillar, for example, Salat, but you don't often hear the principle of forbidding, you know, wrongdoing and immorality is like one of its reasons. Yes, it's connection. Yes, it's prayer. But have you ever considered that the Salat, you're using God's own words to talk to him? Mm. Like, have you ever sat and thought about why that is? Why that form? Um, why that direction? All these questions infuse it with deeper meaning. So when people say, like, I can't pay attention in prayer, it's possibly because we don't know, we've lost track of the principles behind it and the deeper meanings. And so of course it's robotic. Of course it feels like you're at the gym because why wouldn't it feel that way mm. if you don't have the meaning? And so it's the same. Every practice along the way, it's like, okay, Ramadan. Okay, I don't eat, drink water. I have to pray more. Okay, I'm gonna um, cancel my subscriptions to my Netflix or whatever people say. And then suddenly they're like, the month is over. And they're like, that was great. And it's right back to life because what was the principle is to teach you self-restraint. And that's a lifelong journey. So suddenly we put things in boxes and I'm guilty of that too, if I lose the meaning. And so really the, the, the intention was, and I like the word intention. I love that word because it has a root, you know, in, in gardening. So it's like you're planting a seed, right? It's not like a goal. Like it wasn't my goal. It's just like intention. You're planting a seed and you gardeners know that they depend on the sun and the rain. Like there is all that you can do. You till the soil, you try to make it fertile. You put the seed the right distance in from what you think and you pack it. But there's this element of like a lot, like please shine upon this, please rain your blessings please infuse this with your revelations. I'll translate to reveal truths. And that was really the process. And then just listening. I was constantly sharing information online and listening. If someone said, I don't understand this, or um, can you say more? Or, and I would listen. Or, hey, I don't think this is right. I would also listen. I still, to this day, um, I have, uh, I I go through, even though in bringing the book out in the world, I had several imams and professors look at it, but then even to this day, if I find anywhere that people are getting confused about, uh, I'll go back and add a note and I'll republish the book in Mm -hmm. a new edition. Because I think also to not be offended, like if people don't understand, like, 
it's the goal is for them to understand. It's not to be like, I'm right. And one of my teachers once said this, and I thought this was very profound. She said, um, you cannot be right in the love at the same time. Hmm. And I, I was like, you know, I'm needing more explanation. <laughs> hmm. I'm like, why not? <laughs> and she said, because right is, is based on something being wrong, which is based on separation mm-hmm. and your ego's inclination to grasp on being right puts you at a distance and creates another mm-hmm. whereas love is unifying mm-hmm. reminds me of the um sort of the scholars of the past it's such a beautiful teaching to take but when they would debate what was the prayer they'd make is like i i pray that the other side <laughs> is right and I'm wrong. And that in this and through this debate, I become aware of that so that I can learn the truth without becoming arrogant. Mm-hmm. Because if I'm right, and then that's shown, I'm, I could become arrogant from that. So Allah, give me the truth with humility. Mm-hmm. Like, wow, how far we've come from that is, is, is it's a far distance. Um, but that's always inspired me in my approach, I think. Mm. No, that's really beautiful. Yeah, I've heard I've heard it said, right? I'd rather be in love than be right, which is the same principle. And your your commentary, your teacher's commentary on it is really deep, actually, that it's do there's a duality when it's like right or wrong, or you know, the nefs, you know, asserts itself. And mm. um but when it's love, it's like the purpose of love is actually to dissolve the barriers between two into one. The whole thing of mm-hmm. like, when you're in love, it's like you want to like, you know, what's what's that person's name and what neighborhood sure. do they live in and what what who, who are they related to and what where do they go and what do they like? And then you, you know, it's like closer and closer like uh, remove a veil remove a veil remove a veil and then mm-hmm. it's like when you actually interact with them it's like what's your name what's your favorite color what do you like to do mm-hmm. where do you like to go what's your favorite flower you know and then it's like there's a is remove 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 right you're trying to get closer and closer and closer and um you know that's that's of course it's playing out everywhere and that's why yeah the the path of love is is the path, you know, and uh, you know that in in our time where people are really in their heads a lot, um, I think just coming back into the heart and realizing like the path is love, the path is loving, the path is not in trying and having to know everything even or understand everything. There's a limitation to the mind, but you know. The heavens and the earth cannot contain me, but the mm. heart of the believing servant can contain me. It's the heart. It's not the intellect. <laughs> so, yeah, the heart is the way. Mm. Um, and perhaps related to that, you mentioned in the book, your teacher, CD, uh, and I put two and two together because I think you're talking about CD Muhammad. Uh, since you mentioned that he's from Jerusalem, who I also had the blessing of uh, meeting 
And uh, I, I wonder if you might share a little bit about your experience with him. Yeah, sure, of course. Um, I think that it was the first time that I was able to see the real wisdom of being a part of an oral tradition. Mm -hmm. I think in this world right now, we think that words on a page is equivalent to being in presence of someone who's deeply seeped in the tradition saying those words. It's very different. Mm -hmm. And the difference really is, you know, if if you're on the, you know, on the phone with a distant friend and they hey, I love you. Okay, and they hang up. The words are I love you. Whereas like you're in an intimate uh face-to-face -face moment with your love and they're like, I love you. Those words are the same, but what's coming through them is wildly different. Mm -hmm. And language, many people speak Arabic, but when Allah speaks, that's different. It has a, a light in it that's unveiled or comes to life when spoken because that's the power of the divine. When someone commits their life, body, mind, heart, soul, spirit, to the path, when they speak, even in the simplicity of their speech, you feel something coming through them, that transmission, that resonance. And I remember just sitting and learning from CD and he would say like something for example like Adam and Eve you know they like something happened and this and that and he would just and it was something that I had read like you would assume if you knew it that you wouldn't be surprised if you heard someone say it so if someone said the sky is blue like you would or the grass is green you wouldn't feel so impacted by that except that I was Except that the entire room is crying at him saying, you know, um, Allah created Adam. You know, like everyone's just crying. Like that's something that is not perhaps you'll find agnostics and atheists who know that about theology. But in that moment, I recognize that there is a world of speech and that there's a world of silence. Mm -hmm. And in the world of silence, that's a whole nother realm. Because that's a world uh, where your mind can't get in the way. It's like direct to the heart. It's this light. So that silence is this. It's like I read somewhere that so those who love music love silence. <laughs> because, and so it was like the teaching for me was that Rumi, famous kind of Rumi quote that says language of God is silence, all else is poor translation. It's like, mm. I felt that because my mind was nowhere in the way. And it kind of also was a reminder of, um, of, a, of the story of, um, of, that I once heard of, of Shams going to Rumi and said, like, everything you write about, I live. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's like wow uh 
there's a there's a difference between obviously between the two and so just being the presence of someone who's in integrated teachings is like a light and there are there are many teachers who have varying degrees of that um but that's one thing that city taught me through just being present with him is the importance of being grounded in remembrance and the way I've always said it is, you know, two boats never anchor to each other mm-hmm. because come morning, they have no idea where they'll end up. Mm-hmm. Um, boats anchor to seabeds, to mountains, to ports, something that's not moving. And it's like our, as human beings, we're always anchoring to other boats. We're always anchoring to things that are also contingent, constantly changing, variable. Mm-hmm. Um, but we see how like that doesn't we we can see that that, that wouldn't work, but there's like we convince ourselves, and he just was adamant on only anchoring to the divine and finding that strength from there and that was just such a great teaching to have, and to not do it for you know some people some of these circles you sometimes you know just come people come and they say. You know, I want to be able to witness the the angels and I want to be able to see the light in existence or I want to be able to um, protect myself against the the darkness or I want, and he was always, I want a law. <laughs> I don't want to, I don't want to look left and I don't want to look right. I just want to be on the straight path. And that to me was, it just um, it laid out a great model of how to be, and obviously, teachers that are true are following the sunnah. They're following the prophetic tradition. They're following the the teachings of the prophet, peace be upon him, his closest companions. That'll be like that is the path, and and infused and framed by the Quran. So, um, yeah. So he, so yeah, he taught me the teaching of silence and all that comes with it. MashaAllah. No, and uh, what you say is really beautiful. And I had the blessing of going up to the retreat center in uh, Northern California. I used to mm-hmm. live in the Bay Area and uh, it was for the 27th of Ramadan, Laylatul Qadr. And uh you know, it was so moving for me to see the people drawn to him, which are from all walks of life, people that you would never imagine from, you know, the vast majority of them not born into Muslim families or Muslim households or anything like that, right? And uh, just drawn to the light, like moths to the flame. And it was amazing how he's like very like traditionally rooted Mm-hmm. very much like palestinian scholar sheikh but yet complete vastness mm-hmm. and um i think that's a mark of the true the true people that they're mm-hmm. incredibly rooted and incredibly vast and some people think that those are like those can't coincide mm-hmm. but in fact i think those must coincide in, in people that are true um mm-hmm. and then what you said about the fact that Allahumma sayyidina Muhammad. Um, yeah, so I just wanted to hear more about um, 
you know, what you're talking about is sometimes they call the noetic quality. So the noetic quality is the sense or strong conviction that an experience like a mystical or spiritual experience is undeniably real. You know, people have these experiences or these dreams, true dreams, and you will get a message and you will, you will, it will change your life. Whereas like you said, that, that message may have been told to you 10 or 20 or 30 times, but like, it's something about the noetic quality. Like it's this experience is like absolute unshaking truth, more real than a normal state of consciousness that you would be much more likely to doubt your normal consciousness than to doubt the experience mm. in that state. And we see that with the, with the people of Allah. And so what you say is so real is that people think that uh, this deen is just, you can read it in books or that the Prophet right, that he just delivered a message and that's it. And you don't really need to connect with him or love him or the true inheritors. Like it couldn't be further from the truth. Mm -hmm. But the, unfortunately, certain ideologies, contemporary ideologies, as if the Prophet was a mailman, he delivered the mail, that's fine. Mm -hmm. But, you know, it's like, no, he, his being was the message. Mm. His being was the luminosity reflecting the divine light mm. and everything that poured forth from him. That's why. Why do you think that these tribes that were warring with each other and that were at each other's throats, literally, that by the end of his life, and he, these type of people just completely surrender, just completely like statues in his presence that birds could perch on them. They were so still mm -hmm. and in reverential awe of him. I mean, and yet he was the most gentle, the most quiet, didn't speak much, the most shy. Mm. He didn't do it with a booming authoritative voice and we're all going to submit. It was mm. It was the opposite of that. It was his selflessness that conquered them. <laughs> you know? And, uh, you know, I was just with, uh, mentioned in... Uh, Colombia and I was with uh, one of our shuyukh and there were some brothers that I was sat with that they came to him and they were really heavy and they were like talking about their struggles and their tr troubles and their traumas and all these things and it was funny the sheikh was just like kind of like like almost like giggled he was like <laughs> he was like <laughs> he was like the the big he said we all have this trauma he said the biggest trauma is separation from the divine presence and I watched them like, and then he said, and then he said, don't worry. And of course, any, not just any person on the street could say, don't worry. And that would affect you, right? That might insult you actually like, no, I have a lot going on. <laughs> but like, they were like, yes, why are we worrying? It started like weeping. And, and he was just like, just say the Fatiha, just say Laila Allah. It's like, yeah, of course, that's all I need. You know, it's like <laughs> things we've heard. Everyone knows them, but yet there's a noetic quality to these true yeah. inheritors of the Prophet ﷺ that they could say something and it's received totally different. And we hear these stories in the tradition that there was uh, one khatib and he was very eloquent. He would get up and he would give these long sermons, right? And people would say, okay, fine, thanks, and leave and really no effect. But then one day this one of the, 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 the humble, hidden awliya of the village got up and he's just because the, that khatib wasn't there and he just got in the membar and he just said, Allah. And everyone started weeping. His whole khutbah was just that. And then he left. 
And then that khatib had come late and saw him do that. And he said, what is the secret? He said, I just looked out and I felt I'm the worst person. Like I'm the least amongst these people. I'm the most completely in need. What do I have to give? And then I just let Allah, I just called out Allah's name. That was it. So it's again, it comes down to this faqar, this poverty, this complete need, this realization of ubudiyah, of pure servitude. Um, so yeah, and alhamdulillah, I had the blessing of being a Sidi Muhammad's janazah, actually. SubhanAllah, it's very powerful. And uh, many of it, he's had a profound effect on a lot of people, a lot of amazing people. So, you know, I'm sure he's very... Um, happy with you for for this transmission that you've shared alhamdulillah um, there's so much more to say and uh i definitely want to hear some poetry from you um but i guess maybe before that i'd like to hear your thoughts on the reception of this book because um you know is an anecdotal but i can definitely say that a lot of people have brought up this book to me and have, I've, you know, have mentioned that it's had a profound effect on them. And, uh, you know, obviously, you, as you mentioned, it's a law. It's not like, you know, mm. I, I'm not, you know, so that, but, but still, nonetheless, it's like you were the flute through which the, this one, this breath was blown. And um, I'm curious just how that, or, or any thoughts about that or your experience of that or um you know how you feel about the reception or kind of how you've engaged also with those people that have been moved by it or what that's meant for you in your life mm. Mm. well first of all thank you so much for what you shared um you know you could feel the deep love for the prophet peace be upon him and I think we often forget just how integral that relationship is to this path. Um, of course, this path is about Allah, la ilaha illallah, and the Prophet and uh, declaring his prophethood is a portion of our faith. So a lot of times when people are struggling with their Islam, I often say, like, have you, do you know the story of the Prophet? Peace be upon him. And they're like, what do you mean? How does that matter? Like with my experience of the Quran, Allah, like it really does matter because it will put in context what you're reading and you'll understand what it means to pray when you reflect upon even imagining him in prayer, I think is really, it's really special. Um, because when he says, subhanAllah, it's a, it's a complete alignment state. I'm just, I'm a... At times I'm um, a parrot, you know, imitating. But that, that it's like when it's the same as the, not the same perhaps, but the mystic saying, I am nothing and someone parroting it. It's very different. Mm -hmm. So when you want to reflect, you reflect on the person who stepped into it. It's just the same with the scholar at the minbar. One says a law, another one says a law. It just, it destroys everyone's nafs, you know, in the moment. Um. And it kind of reminds me of uh, another uh, mystical, I guess, quote where it says, love is a terminal illness and the only way out is death. <laughs> uh, so that dying to the attachment of the self and then transforming it, and it feels like, obviously, the prophet, peace be upon him, embodied that. And also just 
ring that um you know a um a staff in my hand is just a stick mm-hmm. but in the hands of Moses it's a it's a snake that swallows illusions and part sees because of the divine um assistance and blessing so um finding ways to be in the presence of those who have dedicated their lives to this is just such a gift um and so i feel in response to your question that it's been completely uh unexpected i had no to be honest with you uh this book came out in february of 2020 um so the timing was uh sort of funny you would think it'd be the worst time um to put it i don't know why i guess i thought it perhaps be not the best time but I thought that I would publish the book and and I would I would finally accomplish what I felt like I was called to and I would just go on and live my life uh, and then that didn't seem like it wanted to be the case um, the work sort of continued um, and I and I noticed I'll, I'll share one thing is the book circle started in the pandemic Mm-hmm. And I had never been uh, to a reading book club, I guess, Zoom circle before. Uh, and I know that I wanted to be anonymous. Mm-hmm. Um, and I had never been to these. And people were constant. It was like at that time, too, everyone's at home. <laughs> you don't know what's happening with the world. So I was constantly getting these invites to these book clubs. And I was like, well, who, uh, why, why do they want to talk to me? Like, I'm just, you know, I just found it surprising because um, this wasn't my world. Like, remember, I considered myself a poet, but never a writer. So I was always just surprised by getting an invitation. And so I told myself, you know, I want to say yes. Like, I felt guided. Like, I want to say yes, like, to one of these every week. And regardless of who's asking. So sometimes it'd be students. Sometimes it would be. So literally sometimes it would be me and like two people, the person and their sister. Wow. It'd be like me and like their three cousins. <laughs> and what I realized was, I, I was just like, this is so interesting. You, let's talk about faith. This is so exciting. What what did you guys, what was your experience in your life and what called you to faith? I was so excited to learn from them. And they were so ashamed. They didn't have more people on the call every time it was a small group of people, they were sort of, I, I, there's no other word I'd use, like ashamed, like as if somehow I wouldn't show up unless there was like a hundred people or something. And I always, and this is like the, one of the really early teachings I had from this experience was, I was like, it's so interesting because it kind of reminded me of the story in the Quran where there's like a blind man and he's trying to, he's kind of trying to get the attention of the prophet peace be upon him. And, and, and there's this moment where it's like, Oh gosh, these people who are causing all these issues perhaps in the world. And I finally got them their attention. And then there's this person who's so sincere and so mm-hmm. longing for some truth. And you're in this crossroad and it was such a, and I don't mean to put myself in the, do you know what I mean? I just, it was such a moment where the Quran came in front of me and was like, mm-hmm. oh, like, actually, <laughs> I feel like the blind man. <laughs> mm-hmm. And, and the, like, it almost felt like, I just felt like this moment where I'm like, but I'm going to Allah and saying like, Allah, like, are you, 
I need your help. And for whatever reason, being in this in the presence of super sincere people, they were not university like mm-hmm. MSUs. It, it wasn't a huge um like newsletter. It wasn't a huge workshop thing. It was none of those things. It was just a human being saying, I want to have a closer relationship with Allah. Mm-hmm. And like for whatever reason, I think that you may be able to help me. And me <laughs> showing up today. I want to have a closer relationship with Allah. And for whatever reason, I feel like your sincerity is going to usher the path for me. Mm-hmm. And so then very early early on, sounds sort of maybe silly, but I really depended on the prayers of others. I really did. I was like, this, this person in front of me is so beautifully sincere. They're stepping in. They're like finally feeling like Allah I see I will feel you I witness you and that experience is almost like the moment someone becomes Muslim in a way like I don't know what it was it was just so sincere and I get like emotional I guess thinking about it I'm all over the place because it it's indescribable to witness someone who in their eyes they don't feel like they're enough but in that moment you look at them and you're like you are so much more than I am. And I, I like, I just put words on a page. You are like stepping into them, like bringing them to life. There's not like, and, and so in that way, like I, I found people would constantly turn to me and, and want to give me credit. And I loved being anonymous because mm-hmm. just walking through mosques or someone's reading the book and I'm just like, oh, how do you like that book? You know, they don't know who I am and and I could just hear their real hey like I like but I don't know it's just so funny to me and it's I'm so completely um invisible in many ways and I think that's so true of the state of the book is like where am I to be found except for the mistakes I'm constantly fixing you know Mm -hmm. so to your point and so the reception of the book to me feels like very humbling and I just, I'm hoping, I always say this to the poetry book, with this book, I'm just hoping that, uh, not to put you on the spot, but teachers like yourself will will continue writing books and sharing them and maybe step into, I don't know, um, categories that maybe you're not always writing in or it just like, because I see how desperately people like the moment the book after six months people are already asking where's the next one I'm like I can't write that fast you know and I just I think more than anything I like would love for someone to read this book who is who has deep knowledge like yourself and some of your companions and teachers and say like oh I I could take this way further than this went and hopefully that means that in the English language we start having books that people can go to. Um, and that's really my desire. I, I would like love that. And perhaps the greatest compliment I've ever gotten, I'll be honest with you, is when someone says, I read your book and it made me want to go read the Quran. So I closed your mm. book and went to the Quran. I'm like, success, you know? Um, yeah. Inshallah. No, that's beautiful. And, uh, no, you know, mashallah, there's a lot there that you said, and we're honored. And I honestly, I also feel personally that uh, I think there's a similarity between yourself and I, and that 
I also like reading the classical manuals and the academic books. I enjoy that. Like I spend a lot of my time doing that. But when I think of what I want to write, I don't want to write those. Mm -hmm. I want to write for the everyday seeker in a certain sense, the seeker that I was when I was 17 and 18 and <laughs> 19 and 20 and searching. And, you know, I want to write for that person. And um, I want to be a bridge between our teachers and our tradition and, and our people, you know, and, and, mm. and I think that you've done a really good job. And I will say, and I know, like, you know, in our tradition, it's like, complimenting people it's not you know we we but mm -hmm. i will say the book to me because i wasn't sure what to expect that you know there's a lot of kind of wacky things written about islam or you know like who knows or to so wolf like you never know what to expect because i wasn't familiar with you right mm -hmm. but some people mentioned it and when i picked it up I, and just flipped through it at someone's house the first time it struck me that like i was like oh wow this is this is really rooted like that was the first thing like this is really universal and like very heart based but it's also really rooted in the tradition mm -hmm. and so i think that came through and that that's really beautiful and so you know allah increase you and and um you know if you would if you wanted to share a little cuz it does seem that you've uh been pretty successful at maintaining a kind of anonymity mm -hmm. and like i think you're kind of like you know, um, it makes me kind of laugh because, um, you know, there's a story of Imam Ghazali when he left Baghdad, where he was this like world renowned scholar and philosopher and mystic. Everybody knew him and he was literally in his own time with this like prodigy. Right. Mm. And uh, but then he went through his own crisis where he was like all this, like being a public figure is distancing me from the actual purpose even though i'm teaching about islam and you know helping others on the path it's actually divorcing me from my creator because it's become like this whole other thing and mm. so he you know famously went into seclusion for a decade and you know um you know devoted himself to silent invocation and prayer and that's when he wrote the his magnum opus and all mm. those things and he found what he was searching for, this experiential knowledge of God, this ma'rifa, ilm mm al-mukashifa. -hmm. But there's a famous story that once he was in a masjid in Damascus, and of course, in those days, when you were famous, <laughs> right, mm -hmm. people still didn't know what you looked like because they knew your name, but in another town over, another city, right? Of course, that right. was for film and photography and all these things. And so he was, and he donned the clothes of the, the kind of like poor or the beggar, and he just yeah. was invoking the divine in, in the corner of a masjid. And there was a halaqa, there was a circle of learning happening across the mosque. And he heard the the, the teacher, the sheikh, and he, to prove his point, quote, qala imam ghazali right he said and imam ghazali said right quoting him as this great authority and imam ghazali said that he heard that even he was in the mosque unbeknownst to them and in his heart he felt a type of joy like oh he's mentioning mm -hmm. me but then immediately because of the work he was doing on himself he said a for allah it until it is the same to me whether they praise me or they blame me i still have work to do in other words, like I have to have complete sidqaniya, complete 
sincerity of intention for the divine. I'm not doing this for the creatures. You know, this is a high maqam. But uh, mm. he notes that, you know, that that was a, an experience he had. So I just, mm. you know, it seems like you've kind of done your best uh, to uh, make it not about you and to stay in the background. And like, I don't even, I don't know anything about you actually, like where you live, where you live or your experience, except for what you wrote in the book about like CD, et cetera. Um, and, uh, it seems like you've, you know, kept your picture and all these things. And, uh, so, I mean, I don't know if that's something you, you would care to share or reflect on, but I'm curious, you know, that experience for you and, and, and I have, you know, a feeling that it, it is really about you. Like, it's not about me. It's about this thing. But I wonder mm -hmm. if, you, if you'd share about that. Gosh, I love that story. Um, I think it's such a great reminder. Um, and I feel like for me, like, so there's where I live, there's this sort of beach town called Newport Beach in Southern California. And um it's pretty Republican, I guess, mm. uh, for for those that know the area. And so I was at a cafe and I was actually working on the audiobook. So I was fixing it on my computer. And so I'm, you know, like in my hoodie and I have this book, but the book with me because I'm checking to make sure the words, you know, match and whatever, that there aren't errors in the audio. But I felt uncomfortable having this like Islamic book in front. This is such a great moment for me. I flipped the book, my, the book Secrets of Divine Love. I flipped it over because I was like, okay, no one's going to be able to read it because it's kind of like next to each other, chairs like a cafe. And I was working on it. So here I am thinking, oh my, I'm one no one knows who I am. This book's just on my table. It's flipped upside down. Like no one's going to bother me. And I'm sitting there and this lady sits next to me and she constantly looks at the book. Constantly. She keeps looking over. She keeps looking over. She keeps looking over. And I'm like, I wonder what she's looking at me for, but I'm just working. And she goes, I'm so sorry to interrupt you, but um, what is that book? I, I just see the back cover, but I'm just so curious. Like, what's in it? It's like, I, I feel so strange asking you, but can I look through it? And I'm like, oh, my God. Okay. I'm like, yeah, sure, of course. Uh, it's about, you know, Islam. And I'm like, I don't want to, like, get in a conversation with someone who's, Maybe like, I don't know. I just, so I was just like, yeah, it's just, and she's like flipping through it. She's like, oh, wow. Is it any good? <laughs> and I'm like, hmm, how to answer that question? And at, at the moment, like fully anonymous, I'm like, this person's never, I was like, yeah, it's, I don't want to, uh, I don't want to like lie. I kind of, I wrote it. So I'm not the best to answer that question. Uh, and I felt so strange doing that because I'm holding the strong anonymity. But in that moment, she just looks at me. She'd never heard of the book. It was early on. And she's like, I'm Muslim. And I'm like, wow. Like, I'm like, oh, okay. And basically over the next hour, she's starting, she's crying because she's lost connection with her faith and the way she was raised. And, and I, so I just witnessed her cry for maybe 20, 25 minutes. And she talked for another half an hour. She buys the book on Amazon and she leaves. That was just the interaction. I was like, and you think at that point, I would learn my lesson that I don't have to like hide what I believe in public spaces. <laughs> like I'm just like trying to like not be noticed by anyone. So she leaves and I'm like, oh, that was so strange. I flip my book over again. <laughs> I start working. And I, in not even 15 minutes, 
an American woman sex, sits next to me and she keeps looking over. <laughs> I'm like, what is happening? And she's like, I am so, and by the way, no one talks to anyone. And if you know Newport Beach, you know, like people don't interact with each other. <laughs> and she goes, I'm so sorry to interrupt you. I know you're working, but I'm just curious, what's that book? And I'm just sitting there like, subhanAllah. Allah's like, this has nothing to do with you. Like, get, even if you're you're anonymous and you're not out of the way fully, get out mm -hmm. of the way. Yeah. Same story, she picks it up. Same story, she ends up buying it. Same story, she ends up crying. And when she's done crying, she leaves. Hmm. In that moment, I realized that it's not about a book. It's not about me. It's about the fact, and I say that, it's about the fact that this book has a couple hundred verses of the Quran in it, has dozens of hadith from the Prophet, peace be upon him, in it. Like there's a light that comes with that that's undeniable. Mm -hmm. It's like the words around it are just brains. That's the real, that's the real picture and not like a veil picture. That's, that's the whole thing right there. And I realized that that light calls whoever it wills and has nothing to do. Guess what? You No one would ever pick up this book if it was secrets of hell was love. Like no one cares about that. No one cares about what, what I'm saying. They're reaching for it because of Allah and wanting to have a relationship with the divine, period. No one's looking at this book for, for me. And so the anonymousness, it felt so good because it's just a reminder to myself and I'm, I'm not put in positions where I have to get out of the way because no one, no one knows, no one knows it's me. And, and, and most of the times I'll pick up the book and I'll be like, but I write that like, this seems so foreign to me. So it's really helped, I think in a lot of ways. And also, um, and also just to see that, there's a huge community of readers that are not Muslim and have no intention to be Muslim, but they'll message and say like, hey, this changed my perception of prayer or, hey, this made me go read my Bible. I know that's a strange thing to say to you, but it did. And and I'm like, that's so incredible because I, I'm, I don't have control over anyone's heart. Hmm. I know that Allah does. And I just feel grateful because I just see that I'm such an average Muslim. Mm -hmm. And I know that sometimes in this culture, we want, like we put our writers, teachers, imams on pedestals and want them to be perfect. I am not that person. <laughs> I'm just like average. And I hope that I could continue sharing just my fallibility um, as a measure of I'm just an everyday Muslim and we can all walk on the path to Allah and have a hopefully a deep relationship with him. And it's like through that relationship that we're purified, not before it. And I think mm -hmm. for many of us, we show, we feel like we have to be perfect and then we can be Muslim. Or we have to be perfect, then you have a beard or a hijab or whatever you the thing is in front of you. Like you feel like then I can do whatever that I feel called to do. But really like, there's no way it's like it's like trying to get clean but not take a shower you know like <laughs> I gotta get myself clean for the shower like right. doesn't make sense right but I think 
it's just this um this experience has taught me that and um and Allah constantly reminds me so it's uh it's nice Mashallah. No, it's beautiful. And, you know, like you say, so many people are yearning for what's real and they're yearning for the truth and they're yearning for a beauty that's transcendent and they intuit that it, it's there, but they haven't been able to find it. And it's like, you know, they're looking for a way back in in a sense, like so many people have had a, you know, or what they've been presented with as far as religion in general or Islam in particular is really any, a list of do's and don'ts or a type of conformity in the, in, in the, in the horizontal sense mm. uh, or, or a type of, you know, judgment or you know just a type of don't ask questions like there's a and so i think but yet even with that which is the the deep miracle of it people into it like there's something more though even though that may be my experience like i know there's something deeper here behind all this and so you know um it's such a great gift to to be one who yes in 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 our flawed state yani in our weak state to just do our best to reflect the light you know um and so mashallah may allah increase you and bless you and yeah these type of books are absolutely of utmost importance and um you know it's a beautiful thing it's a beautiful thing to see and i think also it's like one of the things that is you know i consider um I you know I don't know your journey exactly but like an asset to to some of us who weren't always on the path or who aren't the perfect haven't lived the perfect saintly lives or who have fallen face first in the mud or who have been outcast and disgraced and you know who have wronged their own souls and who have been lost and all those kind of things mm. is that um it gives an experiential knowledge of where people are that are in those states and who need, who most need this light, the light of la ilaha illallah. And so, you know, mm. that's, that's a credential, you know, like that is a credential. Is it like, is it, you know, there's a deep experiential understanding of, of the, the spectrum of the human experience and then mm -hmm. a desire to cast light into that because you you've been on this journey of seeking it for for yourself in a real way and making mistakes along the way is actually of benefit to your ability to convey that to others you know who who are who are searching you know so mashallah inshallah thank you so much so um as mentioned you know you're also you have a book of poetry and i wonder if you wouldn't um maybe recite something from it and uh you know tell us a little bit about when it came out and maybe how that differs from your book of prose or how you feel about it or um yeah any thoughts you have regarding the two books mm, um 
Yeah, thank you. Uh, I will definitely share something from it only though, <laughs> if I get to hear some of your poetry because um, some of the listeners may not know, but I am very much a fan of your work. I feel very inspired by it. Um, so the poetry book is, it was really, I believe it came out this year. Yes, it did come out this year. Um, the idea behind it was just to share some short thoughts. Some of them are a sentence long, some are paragraphs, some are a few paragraphs. But it actually isn't in the, in the traditional form that I have in my poetry books that I write um, that I haven't shared, which is more like of a spoken word nature. This was more so just moments in time where a thought or inspiration came. Um, and I wanted it to be that way. I wanted it to feel casual and moments of contemplation. And so that was really the, the purpose behind um, this book. It's called From Darkness into Light. And it's a journey that I believe we take every day. Literally, I mean, from darkness into light. But also in our spirit, we're constantly called to purify. And in that purification or return, we're found who we really are. And I think that one thing I'll share is for many of us, it's not hard to declare that God is our master or that he's our rab. But it's very difficult to, ex to accept that then that makes us a slave or servant. Mm -hmm. We struggle more, I think, for many with that part. And, and that is the, the dissolving of the will into the divine will. And, and substituting sometimes, oftentimes, our preferences for God's prescriptions. And um, so that's sort of a constant journey and point of reflection. Um, uh, so I'll share a poem kind of based on that. I sit in the fire of Allah's love where every form and shape of distinction and separation burns away. On the path of transcendence, every idol shatters and breaks. I sit in the fire of Allah's love where my tears of pain are revelations of grace. In this love, every heart becomes fertile soil and every eye becomes a pregnant cloud whose sorrow separation sings in the melody of rain. Through worship, the seeds of faith burst into life through the kiss of divine gentleness and light. I am broken like bread. I am broken like night into the day. I am the type of broken that blossoms flowers from the shells of my limitations that God's love begins to break. The spark of devotion has caused wildfires in my soul and nothing can breathe in the surface sun of heat except for love. Nothing else can coexist with the one who has no opposites. Every pain I have ever faced came from forgetting your name. 
spending lifetimes turning toward myself in shame or toward others with blame in search of the peace that only emanates from your presence. My Lord, I plead and I ask that you surround me with the flames of your love until everything but you becomes ash, until my idols become my past, until my ego disintegrates and something new emerges from beyond my masks. Lord, I sit in the blaze of your love and fan the flames with the breeze of prayers on my tongue. Lord, I sit in the fire of your love until all of me melts away and all that remains is nothing but your face. Everything is perishing and what remains is the wedge of Allah, the face of God. MashaAllah, it's beautiful and it's kind of um, reminds me of like this genre of munjiat. It's almost like intimate whisperings of divine communication uh, that we find in our tradition. And uh, yeah, something, the line about... Um, uh, every uh, source of my pain was forgetting your name. I'm paraphrasing, yeah. but you know, uh, yeah. yeah, that was beautiful. MashaAllah, Allah increase you and bless you. And thank uh, you so much. Alhamdulillah. Yeah, as I mentioned too, it's like your your writing in general, your prose is very poetic, which is it's a pleasure to read. And um, yeah, I feel inspired also. Like I, um, I just finished a book of poetry, alhamdulillah, and I'll share a poem with you. Mm -hmm. I'm very um, honored and very, very kind what you said. But, um, and I've been working on this book for, for a number of years, in fact. Um, but now that it's finished, I, it's been, really been my intention to actually write prose and to, mm -hmm. to write more in other styles than poetry. And really about, similarly to what you've done, in fact, is is writing about the path and what we found from our teachers and, and conveying it, um, you know, to 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 our people, really. And uh, mm -hmm. so I think that's really beautiful. I take inspiration from what you've what you've done. Mm -hmm. Now, as far as this book, subhanAllah. So the book is called The Art of Remembrance. And, uh, you know, of course, it's a dual meaning in the sense that uh you know in a certain sense everything in our deen is about dhikr the quran is dhikr the prophet is dhikr the prayer is dhikr fasting is dhikr the zakat is dhikr. it's all dhikr it's remembrance mm -hmm. remembrance remembering the divine and in fact what is it we're remembering it's remembering what we've always knew mm -hmm. that we may have forgotten right we wouldn't need to remember if we hadn't forgotten <laughs> so it's very interesting Right. It sets up this interesting. And what is it ultimately is that we are from the divine presence and we have an experiential knowing of the divine, all of us, because we witnessed the divine reality experientially. And, and yet then we were taken out of that state. And so we we kind of forget. We forget that true nature. But there are those who awaken to it fully and even in this life. And so really what the Prophet wasallam brought when he brings this prayer and this fasting, and this zakat, and these, you know, invocations to say when you walk in the door, and these when you leave, and these when you sit, and these when you stand, and these when you eat, and these when you greet, yeah, it's all dhikr, mm. dhikr, dhikr, remember, remember, he brought really the art of remembrance, 
you could say that the prophetic way, the prophetic inheritance is the art of remembrance. And all of us are artists. Mm. You know, um, one of them said, in the modern world, the artist is a particular type of man. But in the ancient world, every man is a particular type of artist. <laughs> right? And that's true. If you go to traditional sites, everyone, it's a craft. Everything is made by hand. There's, a, there's, And we're, we're not made to be consumers. We're made to be creators. Because mm. we're... We're made upon to embody the names of Allah. You know, Al Khaliq Al Bari Al Musawwar, Al Asma Al Husna. You know, He is the creator, the former, the shaper, the artist. And so, you know, you are a painter each moment you make a mark. When you die, you step out of the painting and look at your art. Right. Our life is our work of art and the true art on all the great sacred arts of the Islamic world. They're tributaries of the great art, which is the art of attaining a Mohammedan heart, yeah. allowing Allah to write the divine artist to write the qualities of his beloved into you so that you become his beloved, the divine beloved. In, mm -hmm. in if you love Allah, follow me. Allah will love you. <laughs> you know, and so this is the art of remembrance. And uh, I'll read. I'll read the the title poem. Inshallah. Mm -hmm. Remember, until it seeps into your bones like the December wind. Remember, and remember, and remember until remembrance wins. Mm -hmm. The law of remember wins. Remember when there was nothing but remembrance in the mm -hmm. presence of beginningless's never-ending present tense. Remember when there was nothing but remembrance in the presence of beginningless's never-ending present tense. Remember till a voice proclaims Wait, what did we forget again? So the part that has resistance to remember starts to giving in. Remember then, remember then, remember it again, again. A spirit greater than the universe has come and hid in skin. Remember the forgiver to the point that you forget your sins. Remembrance the giver until all your gifts are sent from him. Remember, it's the giver until when you give, it's really him giving and receiving. What is need if you are given him? Mm. Remember the reviver until when you die, you live again. Remember the annihilator till your eye subsists in him. Remember the inspired one who taught us how to get to him. Peace upon his soul and on his family and his holy friends. Peace upon his soul and on his family and his holy friends. The one who rose to even higher than an angel ever dare ascend. Then out of love and mercy, 
he returned into the world of man. Mm. Remember the all-seeing until all that you can see is him. And if you cannot witness this, then know this witness witnesses. Through your seeing vision, even though your feeble visions dim, and when you draw near and tell he loves you, who is seeing then? Mm. You didn't throw when you threw, but we threw through your blessed hand. You didn't throw when you threw, but we threw through your blessed hand. Are you surprised the most high could throw through a mortal man? As if he told you he formed you from something insignificant, then spoke to your clay as he blew his spirit into it. Remember the beloved until love itself transcends your skin and radiates beyond you into everything that was and is and will be if he wills it to be in a million moments, in each affair he begins again. Polish the mirror so his light you reflect within. The rust that has formed on its face is forgetfulness. Each breath is a priceless chance to remember him. And the polish of hearts is the art of remembrance. Allahumma salli wa sallam ala sayyidina. Wow, alhamdulillah. Alhamdulillah. So, um, absolutely beautiful and so infused with the faith and the tradition. And you could like feel the, the Quran, the Hadith, the mystical tones. And it's just like, alhamdulillah, you have to to be grateful for what Allah sent through you and I'm grateful for that it's so beautiful <laughs> so uh, it's a blessing and uh you know likewise with your book it's like on every page and everything you're saying I I like you know because we've been diving into the tradition for you know a couple mm -hmm. of decades like I understood the references you were always you know and even you put sometime the bracket of the verse you're referencing but it, it was like that infused with it and that's you know one of the beautiful beautiful things about this tradition is like um it has no it's an ocean without shore and without floor, <laughs> you know, <laughs> you, the deeper you go, it's like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, it keeps getting deeper. And that's what Al-Ghazali beautifully said about the beatific vision, that in the next world, that the felicitous will witness Allah and they will do so more fully each moment for eternity because it has no end. You can never encompass it. And so like each moment will be like, oh my God, oh my God, oh my God, <laughs> more deeply. And, you know, he was responding. He said, anyone who thinks that someone would get bored of that has no idea. <laughs> like this like <laughs> literally is completely veiled because the truth of it is that like, it's just 
falling deeper and deeper and deeper in love and you realize it never ends there's mm-hmm. no there's you can never encompass it and um you know ultimately that's what we're all seeking for mm-hmm. and everything that we love or we seek or we try to attach ourselves to or we try to attain pleasure with in this world and no matter what if people are seeking pleasure or they're seeking power or they're seeking status or whatever they're seeking they're seeking that they're seeking the divine countenance mm. and yani it may be a substitute right the substitute but but this is the beautiful thing that we find from the great ones like the Maulana Rumis and others is that they just say look i'm not telling you don't get drunk i'm just telling you to upgrade your intoxicants there's a higher <laughs> there's a higher drink drink the drink of the people of purity that don't think that the perishing or the fleeting or illusory any things that we attach ourselves to that won't give you what you're looking for what all the thing will give you is that reality which is behind all forms that is eternal and is absolute and is infinite and yet is closer to you than you are to yourself and so don't be deluded by turning to and fro searching for satisfaction with won't which with what won't satisfy you because ultimately there is in you that which is not from this world mm. it is from that world and it can only be satisfied by that and so you know we're grateful for you and the the what you write and what you do and transmitting and 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 sharing and uh you know beautifully writing about this uh beautiful living transmission that we've been so blessed to uh to receive and to sit at the feet of those great ones who are as you said they're the living embodiments of it it's not just about a book and that's why i'm sure you're saying it like when people find it in your book or if they find something in my poetry well, alhamdulillah or but it's like once you find that seek out the living ones seek mm. out the living inheritors because they are the books they are the real books you know and the sufis say ilmu fi sudur wa laysa fi sutur that knowledge is in hearts it's not in lines on paper that it's a living transmission it's embodied it's a it's a it's a transformative and that's what the prophet sallallahu conveyed that he conveyed a light that was passed to his companions and his family that was passed to those that came after that was passed to those that came after and it's a living senate silsila it's a chain of transmission and it's it's present to this very day and uh, may we always be attached to it may we always be in service of those who carry mm-hmm. it and um yeah i don't know if there's anything you'd like to say in closing you've been very generous with your time um and maybe um anything else about how people can connect with you or find your works or any other offerings you have or anything you're working on now i um, mm. have to know alhamdulillah i just um i wanted to just double tap on everything that you're saying around books and and seeking out living um living books in a way uh, I always think it's, I think it's interesting because as writers and poets, it's always funny to be like, yeah, this is not a wall. It's a window. Mm-hmm. So you got to keep going. 
and hopefully this is a signpost on the way. Um, And so the only thing that I wanted to, I guess, end with is I just want to make a prayer for whoever may be listening to this. I want to make a prayer and ask Allah to embrace you with his deepest mercy. I pray that even on the days where you feel like you may be misunderstood, that no one sees the pain that you may be carrying, that you may remember mm-hmm. that Allah sees you. And Allah knows exactly what you're feeling before you can even put words to it. Mm-hmm. I make a prayer that for all those that are parents, that Allah mercy embraces them for all those who are children who are trying to figure it out that Allah's mercy embraces them too. I pray that we may walk this path with love in our hearts, that we may ask for forgiveness every time we turn to blame or shame, that every time we turn to something other than Allah, that Allah, by his grace and generosity, can return us to the path. I pray that Allah forgives us our sins, our many sins, and that Allah makes us those who come willingly, not those who come unwillingly. I pray for the unbelievable, undescribable light to embrace us all and to illuminate the eyes of the heart so that we may see the path and that we may have conviction and certainty, certitude of the heart to walk the path. And I pray Allah blesses the work that you do and that Allah's light is infused in the books that you write and the poetry that you share. And I pray that the divine breath flows through you and makes and composes something that is completely heart-opening and soul-inspiring and that you may always know the source of that goes to Allah. And I pray that he blesses all that you do on this earth with the time that he's given you. Ameen. Ameen, ya Rabbil Alameen. Allahumma salli ala Sayyidina Muhammad wa ala Ali Muhammad. Beautiful. And uh, there's uh, nothing else to say. That's a beautiful note to end on. And we're grateful for your time. And um, inshallah, uh, we can stay connected and we look forward to uh, everything else that you put out and share with the world. And um, inshallah, there'll be many, many more books. Um, as you mentioned, there's there's still a lot, right? And uh, But inshallah, this is a harbinger of, of a lot of light and a lot of goodness to come, inshallah. So thanks again. And uh, we look forward to the next conversation, inshallah. Thank you so much. Assalamu alaikum.